Hey guys, I'm so glad you decided to join us. My name is Bethany. I'm Emmanuel Baptist's uh, college student techie, basically the unpaid intern. Um, <laughs> and we're so glad you decided to join us today. Uh, just a couple things before we start the episode. Um, first of all, the audio is pulled from our Facebook Live video, so that means the quality isn't that great. But the good news is you can go to our Facebook page to watch the video in its entirety. I'll put the link in the description, and that'll include the singing and all of that. Um, we know the quality isn't that great, but we created this podcast. I put podcast in air quotes. Um, so you can listen to the sermon, whether you're working or driving or whatever. Um, so anyway, so glad you're here and enjoy. Job 38, because that's going to be our focus here today, is Job chapter 38. It's 41 verses, which is kind of long, but they read very quickly. So we're going to read it all today, because I want us to get the entirety of what's being said. But getting back to the idea of chaos and harmony here. In these pictures, you see quite a range. A range of... where you see all forms of chaos, from the famous picture of the screen in the center, to the depictions of God's wrath and judgment, as well as ravages of war. And then you'll notice, nestled in the corner where I put Job 38, you see two women walking on a beach. It's in stark contrast to the events of the others. To me, the harmonious colors and the scenery are like God speaking to us in the midst of the chaos. And we see that same thing happening in our text here this morning. But before we get to his text, this text. Just yesterday, someone said, it's 2020. I've seen stranger things. Who knows what will happen next? And I think that's pretty much we can all um, assent to. 2020 has been a year like no other. Odd things have taken place. In the past six months, in many ways, have just been chaotic. As a state, we've managed to have some sense of stability as of late. But our new normal is far from normal. As many of our parts of our country and the world are dealing with things we never would have imagined just a year ago. At the beginning of the book of Job, we know that Job's life was completely shattered. He lost everything he had in one afternoon. In that moment, life for Job felt like it was falling apart. The term chaos just scratches the surface of what Job was experiencing. And then we know through the middle part of the book of Job, he's comforted by his friends. 
as many accounting of that. And that brings us now to Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut the sea with doors? When it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment? In thick darkness its swaddling band? When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors? When I said, this far you may come, but no farther? And here, your proud waves must stop. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might hold the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It takes on form like clay under a seal and stands out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and the upraised arm is broken. Have you entered the springs of the sea? Or have you walked in search of the depths? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breath of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? And darkness, where is its place? That you may take it to its territory. That you may know the path to its home. Do you know it? Because you were born then. Or because the number of your days is great. Have you entered the treasury of snow? Or have you seen the treasury of hail? Which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of the battle and war? By what way is light diffused, or the east wind scattered over the earth? Who, <coughs> excuse me, who has divided a channel for the overflowing water, or a path for the thunderbolt, to cause it to rain on land where there is no one, a wilderness in which there is no man, to satisfy desolate waste and cause to spring forth the growth of tender grass? Has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb come the ice? And the frost of heaven who gives it birth? The waters hearken like stone, and the surface of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the cluster of Pleiades? Or loose the belt of Orion? Can you bring out Mazaroth in its season? Or can you guide the great bear with its cub? 
Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you set their dominion over the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that an abundance of water may cover you? Can you send out lightnings that they may go? Can you say, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the mind? Or who has given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds by wisdom? Or who can pour out the bottles of heaven when the dust hardens and clumps and clods cling together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion? Or satisfy the appetite of the lions when they crouch in their dens or lurk in lairs to lay in wait? Who provides food for the raven when its young ones cry to God or wander about for lack of food? Let's stop right there. Quite a reading. But can you We read all of it just to try to give us an image there. Here we have a whirlwind. Here we have the wind. And a voice comes from it and speaks to Job. Can you imagine those words being said to you? Were you there when? Were you there when I laid the foundations of the world? Who are you, Job, to say anything to me? Listen. Listen. Listening to the chaos is our first point here today. I think of set, uh, excuse me, seasons of chaos in my life. There is one obvious season that stands out above the rest. It started soon after my son Joshua was about to be born. Everything went fine in the delivery, but shortly found, uh, following. We found out something was wrong, terribly wrong. Before we knew it, they tell us that our son would have to be medevaced to Bangor from Presque Isle. But due to a severe snowstorm, we would need to go by ambulance, and they did not know how long that would be. We followed the ambulance down in white. Sue, by the way, had left the hospital against the doctor's medical opinion just to be there with her son. Needless to say, after a whirlwind of three days with very little sleep and feeling utterly lost seeing our little man in an incubator moving so very little, we are told it might be a good idea to call in the clergy because it couldn't hurt at this point. Not words that any parent wants to hear. We went from the highest place we'd been to the lowest we could imagine. Yet, not the lowest. We would eventually go lower when he passed away nine and a half months later. When Joshua did die in November of that year. The weeks and the months were the darkest of our lives so far. The grief was overwhelming, crippling at times. It had an impact on each of us, of course. But for myself, every time I would go to God's Word in my personal studies, that reminds me of another time of chaos in my life. I won't go into all the details, but it was one of spiritual dryness. 
When I opened God's word to study, it felt dry. As I asked the Lord to speak to me, to give me something to share, nothing. Only silence. This went on for a period. I wasn't angry at God on this occasion as I was when Joshua passed. I didn't start to doubt God's existence or his presence in my life, nothing like that. I just wanted him to speak, to say something, anything. I wanted to hear his voice. Have you ever been there? In chaos, in the darkness, waiting for the Lord to speak, listening for the voice of God and hearing nothing. Maybe you feel like that this morning. Maybe you can feel a little bit like Job as he was there gouging out his sores with a pot shirt. The agony and the pain was intense. The world seems to be gaining some composure at this time, like I said, in our part of the world, but in many parts of our country and the world, it still seems maybe out of control. I wonder how Job exactly felt. Afternoon, he lost everything he had. We know then for the next 35 chapters, Job had been talking with his friends, asking why is it that he is suffering? Job had been asking questions of God, longing for God to answer him. But he was met in silence. But now, in our passage that we read here this morning, God speaks. He speaks from a whirlwind, from the middle of the chaos. And what does God say in the chaos? What does God say about the chaos? What does God say to us in this moment of chaos that we are experiencing? Let's listen to his voice this morning. Getting back just to verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this who darkens the counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. God doesn't say to Job, Hey Job, I know these friends of yours have been kind of badgering you for the last... 35 chapters, but for this last period of time, over and over and over, we see them making accusations against you that weren't true. You're my good and faithful servant, Job. I'll tell you why this is all happening. We don't see any of that. 
Those are the type of things we want to hear. God, why is this happening? He doesn't need to tell us. Look at what he says. Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Job, you don't have a clue to what you're saying. All those things you ask me, you don't have a clue. Now prepare yourself like a man. Stand up. Get ready. Listen. I'm going to question you. I'm the Lord God of the universe. And I want you to answer me. So again, we know that Job had a close personal relationship with God, it seems. We know that it was at a time when he was hearing him audibly. And the first thing that God says to him after all his suffering and after all his pain is, who are you to question me? And then God goes on with question after question after question, showing his power, showing his might, showing his holiness and the magnitude of his awesomeness about all the things of creation. And were you there? God's charge against Job. As Job was talking to his friends earlier, in the aftermath of his devastating loss, it became clear that Job was beginning to question. He believed his suffering was greater than he could imagine, greater than he could endure, greater than he could deserve. And it's easy for us to think that we're going through, when we're going through a difficult time, that we don't deserve this. We don't need this. And God somehow must be wrong for letting it happen. When God speaks here, he brings his own accusation against Job. Again, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? The word counsel here can also be translated as plan or design. God is accusing Job here of mischaracterizing his divine plan, his plan or his design. Who is this? Who darkens my plan without knowledge, without words of knowledge? Job, you might think my plan for you is messed up, so to speak. But you don't have any idea what you're talking about. You've asked your questions of me, now it's my turn to ask my questions of you. Next. God is bigger than the chaos. God is bigger than the chaos. Verse 4. Where, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Where were you when I created the world? Were you there? I don't remember you there. Do you understand 
why I created the world the way that I created it? Some people may see it as harsh and intimidating. Like some kind of cosmic bully out there saying, I'm big, I'm powerful, you're small, you're weak. I'll do whatever I want. Don't question me. But I don't believe that's what God is saying here at all. He's not trying to intimidate Job. That becomes clearer later. When we look at what else God says. Rather, God is trying to reframe Job's thinking. He's trying to give him perspective. He does this by asking Job a series of rhetorical questions. About the physical world, about the animal kingdom, about all of creation. Look again, beginning at verse 4. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? In this series of questions, God is establishing that He and He alone is the Creator. Job is not. It is God who created all this. In all he had created, his world is with order. Did you notice how God described the creation of the earth? He describes it like a building of a house. It has a foundation. It has a cornerstone. It has specific measurements. It's been carefully constructed. The world is a place of order. We see this with the natural laws of physics. The material world, there's gravity, electromagnetism, nuclear force, and the list would go on and on and on. We also see it in the immaterial world with things like morality and things like justice. God is the one who's created it all. He's the one who determines how it works together. That's a big job, and it's a job that Job knows nothing about. God is bigger than the chaos. We might think that God has created this world in an ordinate way with rules and structure, that the world would also be free from chaos, but that's not the case. As God continues with his questions for the rest of the chapter, through 38, and even through chapter 39, we see that God has created a world that is with, has not created a world that is without chaos. Chaos is a reality of our world. Uncertainty is a reality of our world. Danger is a reality of our world. He mentions the wild ox that can't be tamed in chapter 39. He talks about the war horse that charges into battle with fierceness and range, again in chapter 39. He speaks of extreme weather, thunder and lightning in the storehouses of rain that have been reserved for the day of war in chapter 38, which we already read. Living in Maine, if you've ever tried to enter the state on a Friday night in the summer, 
or leave the state on a Sunday, you would have experienced something called a traffic jam. It just happens when you try to leave our state in a normal summer. Not 2020. Or in, you just try to go down our downtown here. You try to go to a shop, and then you realize, oh, I gotta go to the post office. And you can't get there without going all the way around because of the flow of traffic and the traffic in the summertime. It's next to impossible. Dealing with that example, but just traffic itself. I mean, we hear of road rage. It, it does something to people. It makes it chaotic. Driving in traffic can bring chaos. But they are things that we do to ourselves. But have you ever witnessed a tornado in the Midwest, a hurricane in the South, or a blizzard here in Maine? Then you realize chaos is not just something that we do to ourselves. We have no control over that. Chaos is a part of the world, a world that God has created, a world that God has designed. And yet, in the midst of the chaos, God reminds us that he is bigger than it. God is bigger than the chaos. Yes, the world is full of chaos. Yes, life is hard. Yes, life can be painful. But God is bigger. God is stronger. And this is God's universe. God may allow Satan at this time to have dominion because man turned it over to him at the fall. But God is still ultimately in control. This is his universe. This is the world that he has created. Our planet, we know, is, I'd like to say a dot on the map of the universe, but a dot doesn't even cut it. We are so small in this vast universe. This moment in time, compared to eternity, is just a blip on the map, so to speak. A blip on the radar, that's the right expression. You and I are but a breath here on earth. But if we know him as Lord and Savior, we'll be with him for all eternity. We're getting back to chaos. There is no amount of chaos that we could experience in this life that is a threat to the God who created it all. Doesn't always feel that way, does it? COVID has spread over the world. We have riots in major cities, mass unemployment, and some cities like New York may never recover. So many have already moved away from New York. The global pandemic of last night has killed approximately 846,000. And the known infection of 25 million. Life is not quite like it used to be. And for many, life is still being put on hold. Chaos is surrounding us. This seems huge to us, but to God, it's small. Here than any chaos that we face. Next, God controls the chaos. The idea that God created the universe in which chaos is part of 
frankly, is a little unsettling when you think about it. Does that mean that God is not sovereign? Does that mean God is not in charge? Of course not. As God continues to question to Job, that becomes clear. Verse 8. Or who shut in the sea with its doors, when it burst forth and issued from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment in thick blackness as its swaddling band, when I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors, when I said, this far you may come, but no farther. And here your proud waves must stop. Here the topic of God's questions shifts from the earth to the sea. In the ancient world, the sea was a symbol of chaos. It was the epitome of uncertainty. Understandably so, when a man gets on his small ships and heads out. People depend on the sea for food, for travel and commerce, but it's unpredictable, dangerous, and unknown. Dangerous and unknown. Here in Maine, we have some beaches, not like in other parts of the, of the world. But I'm sure everybody here has been to the beach before. Ever seen any signs that warn people the riptides? I can't remember where I saw them, if it was Maine or Massachusetts. Have you seen any signs? I think in Old Orchard. Old Orchard, okay. Old Orchard has some signs. About the riptides, warns of the dangers. There are signs warning people of the strong currents in some places, saying stay out of the water, just be very careful because the water will suck you away. Why? The sea is powerful. Sometimes it's unpredictable. It's dangerous, and if you don't know what you're doing. But God does not let the sea run wherever it pleases. He does not let the chaos cover the whole land. Rather, God controls the chaos. He shuts in the sea with its doors. He binds it with its bands. He sets the limits and says, Thus far you shall come, and no farther. This far you may come, but no farther. Yes, God may allow for chaos in the world, but he is the one who sets bounds on the chaos. God controls the chaos and not the other way around. Getting back to the story of Joshua I mentioned earlier. I still remember when we were faced with the daunting decision to put Joshua, our son, back onto life support or not. He would have been connected to five different machines to be kept alive. We consulted with our pastor. Of course, he could not give us an answer. But he certainly helped us put things in perspective. Just like the questions here from God put things in perspective. For us, it was the ultimate act of letting God be in control. When we chose not to connect him again, he passed in only a matter of hours. They had told us it could be days. Thus far shall you shall come, and no farther. The setting of the limit. God allows chaos in the world, but that chaos does not take one step further than he allows. Why he allowed our baby to be taken 
we'll never completely understand. We've seen marvelous things happen through it, but we'll never completely understand the side of heaven. But it was clear that he drew a line in the sand. He would only let the pain and the suffering go for so long. It is he who controls the chaos, not the other way around. We saw this in Job's life already. God first told Satan, take Job's family and his possessions, but don't touch his body. And then when he came back, God said, take his health, but don't take his life. We've come thus far, no farther. COVID-19 is still sweeping the globe. It still has many working from home. Some of us here this morning are worshiping from home. It has disrupted our lives in every way imaginable. But it's not outside of God's control. God has set the limits on the virus. He could stop this whole thing in a second if he wanted to. He could heal all the sick right now. He could even raise the dead. He's done that before. He could do it again. This far you may come, but no farther. God sets the limits on the chaos. God is in control. This is true for whatever chaos, whatever storm you're experiencing in your life. It might feel like the waves are out of control, like the sea is raging and there is nothing can stop it. But God is not threatened. He's bigger. He's got this. Next. God cares for us in the chaos. When you thought back, just think back to those pictures, you don't have to show it. The women on the beach, walking, harmony, peace. God cares for us in the midst of the chaos. Verse 39. Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions? When they crouch in their dens or lurk in their lairs to lie in wait? Who provides food for the raven when its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food? God continues his speech here to Job. As he speaks from that whirlwind, as he speaks from that mighty force, he continues to give examples from creation that demonstrate his power and wisdom. But the picture he paints is not only of himself who is big and powerful, who brings planets into being and stops the chaos and its cracks. He wants us to know that he is tender, that he is kind and cares deeply and intimately about his creation. And we see that here in the way that he talks about caring for the animals. On the one hand, this picture highlights the greatness of God in contrast to the weakness of Job. Can you provide food for the lion? I don't think so. But I can, and I do. But God does not use power to do whatever he wants. Rather, he uses power to care for his creation, to nurture it, to sustain it. Going on to chapter 39. Do you know the time when the wild mountain goats bear young? Or can you mark when the deer gives birth 
Can you number the months that they fulfill? Or do you know the time when they bear young? They bow down, they bring forth their young, they deliver their offspring, their young ones are healthy, they grow strong with grain, they depart and do not return to them. Here God talks about the mountain goat giving birth. There's no point in life of greater vulnerability than birth itself, both for the mother and for the newborn. For much of history, childbirth was one of the most dangerous things that a woman could experience, and the infant mortality rate was really high. Childbirth is dangerous for humans and animals alike. But childbirth is also an incredible place of intimacy. God is present in that process, even for the mountain goat. He's aware of every new baby goat that is born. He's involved. He's caring for it. The mother and the child. Not only that, but he equips the young kids with everything they need to survive in their harsh environment, the rugged mountains and the hillside. He is with them when they grow stronger, when they become independent from their mothers. He cares for them. So too, God cares for us. God cares for us in the chaos. He doesn't promise to stop the chaos. He doesn't promise to remove the chaos. But he does promise to care for us in the midst of the chaos. Have you experienced this? Sometimes we get so focused on the chaos, we don't notice the tenderness in the midst of it. When chaos strikes, it's an invitation to draw closer to Jesus. It might seem hard, but God will meet us in the midst of it. Next, we need to recognize the greatness of God. Turn as well to chapter 40. Verse 2. He asked Job this final question. Can you put a reed through his nose or pierce the jaw, his jaw with a hook? Just before that, can you draw out the Leviathan with a hook or a snare, his tongue with a line in which you lower? Can you do this, Joe? The powerful beast? Was it a whale? Was it a sea monster? We don't know. But the mighty Leviathan, can you catch it? Can you do that? Joe, do you still want to accuse me of Do you still want to argue your case with me? When Job hears the voice of God from the whirlwind, his response is one that's very appropriate for us men, for mankind. We'll give you all the verse three. Will he make any supplications to you? Will he speak softly to you? To you. I just lost my place. Will he make any supplications to you? Will he speak softly to you? Will he make a covenant with you? Will you take him as a servant forever? Will you play with him as a bird or will you leash him from your maidens? Will you make companion? Will your companions make a banquet of him? Will they apportion him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with spears? 
Stand on him. Remember the battle. Never do it again. Indeed, any hope of overcoming him is false. Shall one not be overwhelmed at the sight of men? No one is so fierce that he would dare stir him up. I can't find what I'm looking for. Job responds. Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. Thank you. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am five. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no farther. Job here showing his humanity. His humanity. He's humble. He's nothing before a mighty and an awesome God. What else is there to say? Job more or less says, I'll rest my case. I'll keep silent. I have nothing else to say. He had an encounter with the living God. Job hasn't been intimidated into silence by a giant bully. He has come face to face with God's greatness the creator of the universe. He has realized that his God cares for him, though he is small, though he is insignificant, though he has experienced incredible pain in his life. God cares for him. So just to wrap things up, in conclusion, days and weeks that followed Joshua's death were incredibly dark. The grief still bubbles to the surface occasionally. I'm sure the scar is never fully healed. But as you know, Sue got pregnant two more times, and we are grateful for God's gift in our girls. When Sue got pregnant with each of them, we were full of joy, but the joy was also tempered with fear. What if each of them had the same genetic disorder that Joshua did? God was gracious. And as many of you know, they were each named to show our thankfulness for his grace and his mercy. When I look at pictures of Joshua or when I see Bethany and Mariah, I'm often reminded of the goodness and the faithfulness of our God. I'm going to get it when I get home. <laughs> 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 and I hear the voice of God spoken from the voice of the whirlwind saying I love you I care for you I'm with you so where are you in experiencing chaos in your life where does it feel like things are spiraling out of control there is the obvious the coronavirus social distancing distancing, and just a short while ago for us shelter in place. But I know we're all experiencing our own kind of chaos as well. Today, my challenge to you is to spend a few moments listening to God. Ask yourself, how is God speaking to me in the midst of the chaos?
Listen for His voice. What is He saying to you? Let's pause. Let's listen. For we know we have a caring Father who speaks to us in the midst of the chaos. Let's bow. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you. We know it was a long chapter, but we are thankful for your words to Job, putting him in his place, reminding of him that he is just a man and you are God. Help each one of us, Lord, in the midst of the chaos that is our lives, be it of our own making or be it of just being there. Help us to hear your still small voice. Help us to know that you love us implicitly. And you want us to draw near to you. We just ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. May we go in the love and peace of our Lord Jesus. Let me ask this in your name. Jesus. Amen.